0: SASWAT is a podcast about Bigfoot. It's recorded for the skeptics, the believers, the knowers, and those who just have a casual interest in the subject. For more information, visit SASWAT.com. This is Sass a podcast about Bigfoot. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Seth Breedlove. I'm joined today by my pal, Mark Matsky. Greetings from Southeast Ohio, the Bigfoot Mecca. I feel like I should say your middle name. Like, I felt like your mother, like I was about to, Mark (laughs) (laughs) Matthias? I
1: don't know what your middle name is, though. My middle name's Gerald, which is my dad's first name. Which is your dad's name, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, I, I did sort of feel like I was in trouble. <laughs> I'm you, joined by my pal, Mark. Gerald.
0: <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. So um, before we get started, this show is going to be a little disjointed. We're going to start out and uh, do a recall of... Uh, not a recall, like a voting like recall. A factory is, recall? Yeah. Mark is going to recall <laughs> his trip to the Cabela's uh, r- strange... Rare and Unusual Sightings Weekend. Is that true? Is that what it's called? That is what it's it's called. Okay. It's a rather convoluted Uh, title, is it not? It is. They should abbreviate it. Um, So we're going to talk about that, and then we're going to talk about some topics that, or a topic that is probably slightly controversial, which is that of the the state of the Bigfoot community at large. And this is going to be um, at least... Partially spurred on by some current events in the Bigfoot world. and uh, But we'll get to that in a minute. First of all, we're going to start with, with Mark's uh, journey to... Uh, we, where is this at? It's,
1: it's not Wheeling. It's like... It's tri- east of Wheeling. It still has a Wheeling address, probably for ease. Mm-hmm. But it's a Triadelphia address. It's right off of 70. As you go through Wheeling from west to east, you go up a giant hill and this huge cabelas is there at the top along with a bunch of other shopping opportunities Ooh. but just a gigantic uh cabelas and that was uh the, they i think this is the fourth or the fifth maybe it's the fifth uh strange rare and unusual sightings uh convocation that they've had and dr jeffrey meldrum has been the headliner of that for at least uh, a couple times and maybe more. So we just kind of played it by ear, and the the date stayed open, and we're only about an hour and a half away. So we made the trek on a Saturday and caught basically all of Saturday's presentations. It actually ran Saturday and Sunday. And uh, reading the literature about the event, it sounded like it was going to be the same stuff Saturday and Sunday, but as it turned out, it sounded like there were more... um, there were different presentations Saturday and Sunday, uh, which I wish I would have known that going in. But as it, as it worked out, we were there all of Saturday and got a pretty interesting snapshot of sort of the state of uh, Bigfoot research right now. It's like you said, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Yeah um set up this first clip who's this you said his name's bud his name's bud i wish i had more information than that and i really wanted to approach him the day of the event but he was super busy as the organizers of these things generally tend to be and i just didn't feel like he was had the time for you know to kind of buttonhole him and talk to him but bud is the one who's responsible for getting the funding for this through cabela's and putting on a. a the uh, event in total. So mm-hmm. he took the opportunity to uh, kind of set the whole show up by um, making some introductory comments and you know his background evidently is in broadcasting and I think that shows in sort of his ability to hold the audience's interest. We do not
2: have 100 percent positive proof that Sasquatch is a living creature. There are several really strong words in the English language. One is garlic. That's a strong word. But the other two that come to mind are know, K-N-O-W, and believe. Those are very strong words to know something exists, to believe something exists. Very, very strong words. Do we have the positive evidence to say that Sasquatch is a living creature? And I think all of us can shake our heads, no we don't. No we don't. We do not have proof positive. We have extremely strong evidence that further research Is required to find out these lingering questions. Sasquatch, we have reported sightings that go back 300 years. 300 years, yes ma'am, 300 years. And not just in our North American civilization, but from around the world. Over 12,000 reported sightings. And many of these sightings are from very credible people. They know, they believe what they saw was real. Here with the advent of trail cameras we see a multitude of trail camera photographs. Some blurry, some inconclusive, some somewhat startling, and some defy explanation as to what they are. And you will see some of those here today.
0: Was there anything presented, like, uh, evidence-wise, that you hadn't seen or you hadn't been aware of that you thought was uh, compelling?
1: Well, there was a whole presentation by a man named uh, John Kaczynski, who has a background in science, and the trail cam photos that Bud was alluding to were a staple of this particular presentation. And I have to say um it started out very compelling and this his research is based out of New Jersey in, you know, the Pine Barrens area and he's found multiple multiple tracks. His presentation, Kaczynski's presentation was extremely detail oriented. I mean, is the type of PowerPoint presentation where you can see he was clicking through tons of data and just skipping entire chunks of it. And there was this big buildup to the aforementioned trail camera photographs. And when they finally were revealed, there was just this sense of underwhelm that was very powerful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was, it, they weren't even the best blob-squatch photos that I've ever seen. And he took that in an interesting direction. I was on board with him. I was tracking with him, you know, through the whole, like, first 20 minutes, 25 minutes, thinking this is really, really exciting, and to think that nobody's ever really heard of this before. But then when he showed the photos, it was just a real palpable sense of letdown. And, he, you know, he went so far as to say, well, we don't really know what we're looking at, so it makes sense that this wouldn't register with our you know, minds, eye or our brains or whatever, but it just seemed like, um, really the, the pictures could be anything. Hmm. There's nothing really, uh, even that squatchy about the photos themselves that would make you think, Oh, you know, that, that's a distinctive Bigfoot shape. So now the, I will say this, uh, I should have had this information ready to go, but he is putting all of his research online for free for anybody who wants to, um, kind of rifle through it and see what he's been up to. The one thing I thought was kind of cool about his presentation is he did say, rather than setting um, the camera traps for motion sensor, he has them on time elapse. And so he's able to show, like over the course of a day, stuff that shows up on the trail cameras. So that was Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Um, Probably most compelling of the presentations that day was uh, Meldrum, and I'll talk about him a little bit later probably. It was, it was compelling for a couple reasons, Uh-oh. and uh, yeah. I, I want to know now. You want to know now? Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, one thing was, this was a day-long event, and it ran well over the advertised time. You know, it was, uh, they had posted they'll be done by about 5. Well, it was 8 o'clock, and we were still in the midst, I think, of Meldrum's presentation. Um, sadly, most of the attendees had cleared out by the time Meldrum went on which wow. was totally not what I was expecting and mm-hmm. as somebody who somebody who does a significant amount of public speaking I felt bad for him because you know the the last slot of the day is sort of a, that's the your headliner spot. you know that's your your uh, cornerstone presenter and you know I I don't think there were 50 people left by the time <laughs> Meldrum even went on wow on a saturday night yeah But the thing that that Meldrum did is his presentation on Saturday, I can't speak for Sunday, was basically the state of Bigfoot studies in uh, pop culture these days. And he started out with um, kind of the, he went from the bad (laughs) and then transitioned to the good. And so the bad, you know, started out with kind of a attack, if you will, on Rick Dyer and Kind of uh, showed a picture of Rick Dyer urinating on a a copy of Beldrum's book. It was just kind of bizarre. It was a weird way to start, and kind of went on from there to talk about other prominent uh, hoaxing that's gone on. And the thing about it that really stunned me is, I thought, okay, now would be the perfect time for you to make a comment on uh, Todd Standing and Bigfoot North or Sasquatch North or whatever it was, and he completely <sighs> passed by any reference to Mr. Standing or anything of that nature, which I thought was just, uh, you know, I was amazed because he had just gotten done talking about how these questionable characters make uh Bigfootery sort of a... a a slippery place and to make no mention whatsoever about something that's been a firestorm over the last number of months uh was I don't know I guess I was I was surprised that he didn't even make a passing reference to it it's <coughs> as if none of that existed but and then he you know he transitioned into talking about his journal uh that he's gotten going and uh went into detail about a a 3D-printed skeleton of uh, projected uh, Bigfoot-type creature and showed pictures of this uh, 3D-printed skeleton and stuff like that. So that was pretty fun. And I do want to say, too, that um, in person, Dr. Meldrum Meldrum was way more engaging and friendly and generous with his time than I ever imagined he would be. I mean, he comes across as a nice guy and stuff on camera, and my experience was he's even more of that in person than hmm. you'd have any right to expect.
0: Uh, I'm going to play one more clip you sent me. It's Doug
1: Waller from SOSB. Set this one up. Okay. This is of... He's talking about a sighting report from Salt Fork, and it's one that I we've touched on or, or maybe I've we've talked in passing about uh, when we talked about Ohio Bigfoot. But this is a multiple sighting uh, case that took place on the uh, Morgan's Knob Trail in Salt Fork, and uh, he gets into just the more detail than I've heard about the events of that day.
0: I didn't have it queued up. Ah, classy. <laughs> All
3: right, here we go. Or is that the name of the program? That's the Destination America channel, the Monsters and Mysteries show. This Eddie family, mom and dad, and I believe three kids, were out at Salt Fork on Memorial Day weekend a couple of years ago. sausby actually had a uh, camp out going on at the group camping area. So we're sitting around the fire. It was just before dark. I get a phone call from a lady named uh, Michelle, who is the sister of Mrs. Eddie, and she says, are you guys out at Salt Fork? I says, yeah, are you coming out? She says, listen, my sister and her family are out there right now, and they had a Bigfoot sighting, and they're sitting up on top of the Morgan's Knob trail on that picnic table, and they're scared to death, and the kids are crying, and can you send somebody up there? I said, it's done, don't worry. We sent seven people up there, and I know some of the some of the people in the crowd I've seen here today were up there. I know uh, 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 Dave was there, and uh, Dave uh, Blue Tracker, and Mark Hudak, and uh, Denny, and Chris, and but anyway, seven people went up there and talked to the family. And what had happened was they were out there just hiking, and you know they uh, maybe picnicked earlier in the day decided to go up through uh, the Morgans Knob Trail. When they got clear to the top of the hill, uh, it's a good little walk up there. So when they get to the top of the hill, mom and dad have to sit down at the picnic table and catch their breath. The kids continued on over the hill, down into the trees, and uh, you know they were exploring around After five minutes or so, the parents heard cries and screams coming from the woods. Something had happened to the kids. So Mr. Eddie gets up, runs down the hill to the tree line, finds the children in hysterics, and two of them ran back up the hill as soon as they saw their dad, went clear back up to the hill to the picnic table The safety of their mother, the dad found out from the third kid that was still there that they had seen this Bigfoot and it peeked out from around from behind a tree and scared them. So, this now, this picture was taken later, this wasn't at the same day, but this is the actual tree that they said the thing was peeking around from. Let me see your pointer here
0: picturing the tree.
3: And I want to show you, this is about, uh, I think, six feet high right here. You notice this tree has a bend in it. Okay, the kids provided drawings for us as to what they saw. And I want you to look at the similarities here. This is the older daughter, I believe. There's the tree, and this is the head of the thing. So
0: this out. was the sighting that was on Monsters and Mysteries. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I've seen that. Okay. I, know, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah. And you have more clips you sent me, but um, mm-hmm. we're already at like 20 minutes talking about this. But overall, did you? what did you
1: think of the event overall? Well, first of all, it's free. <laughs> and for free, it was exceptional. I mean, we had a wide range of presenters. And, you know, uh, that's the first time I had heard Meldrum in person and bringing in stuff that really very few people have seen yet. I thought it was really well done. I, you know, kudos to Cabela's for reaching into their corporate purse and sponsoring something like this because, um, you know, that it was a real high level of uh, of information that was given out. Cool. Yeah, I I've meant to go
0: almost every year and have never gone. It's only like two hours from here too. Mm-hmm. So. And I've been to that Cabela's, so yeah, it's exactly where it is. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's segue into the uh, how do you want to do this? The state of Bigfoot community today. The do we even want to talk directly about this uh, cloud hanging over the at least the Facebook community over Boy. the last
1: week? I don't know how directly we want to talk about it. I've, I don't know. I mean, we I, have,
0: uh, we have, we, we're not completely disconnected from those involved is what I'm going to say.
1: Right. Good. I think that's um, fair.
0: Yeah. So, so, um, essentially though that anyone involved in the community probably knows that over the last week there was this huge kerfuffle over another Bigfoot podcast, um, Although I don't know how much it even relates to that, essentially the controversy erupted because um, of a sighting—a sighting with um, details that were lacking or not. They—it's hard to. So here's the thing. <laughs> Let me. There's. It's interesting the correlations to this. Uh, of this sighting um, and the errors involved in the sighting that, that people have found. Um, basically, the, the person... Jeez, this, uh, this is like ridiculously difficult. Everyone knows who I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. All right. Sasquatch Chronicles. I'm just going to go all the way. Uh, Sasquatch Chronicles is a podcast. Their host, Wes Germer, has been on this show. He had a sighting in uh, Washington State And he recounted seeing the moon in the sky. And he recounted uh, geographical location of the sighting. And um, online, some people have found uh, flaws in his recounting of the tale. And what's interesting about this, to me, is that I've seen this exact same uh, error in another well-known Ohio... (laughs) Uh, researcher probably the most well-known Ohio researcher who isn't on TV today Um, well-known Ohio researcher whose sighting also had a similar flaw that also involved the moon so this isn't my first time to see it Um, we're not here to talk about Wes's sighting and the, the veracity of it we're actually here to talk about the community as a whole and the way the community reacts to things and the way the community interacts with each other, if I'm not mistaken, right? That's kind of what we want to do. That's really, yeah, the direction. It it just brings up all those issues all over again. Right, and and watching this one incident play out is a uh, pretty good analogy, or not an analogy, but a pretty good stand-in for pretty much the way the community reacts to every incident. You have people who will blindly believe anything someone says... Um, you know, one hundred percent. No matter what, you had this with Rick Dyer. You had—I am not comparing anyone to Rick Dyer. I am saying you had this with Rick Dyer. You had your people who blindly believed Rick Dyer, even after the two thousand eight incident. Um, and they'll defend him and his right to say whatever he wants. And how dare us try to call into question his sighting? It's his event. You know, he's—he knows what he saw. Blah blah blah. You have people who, who now this is the one that blows me away. You have people who say, who cares if he's lying? It's Mm -hmm. he makes a great show. Or who cares if, uh, who cares if it's a real dead Bigfoot? It's a, you know, it's a lot of fun. That, that one fascinates me because, uh, people get, are giving money to someone. So if they're, if they are lying and they're called out on it, I don't think our reaction should be, who cares? Um, the other reaction is kind of, um, the, the exact opposite, which would be to almost form a uh, – I, I hesitate to say witch hunt because that's not what I mean. But almost form like uh, – I, I, I call to mind visions of like the townspeople in Frankenstein with, with torches, you know, running across the countryside uh, on a hunt for, for Frankenstein. That's kind of what I think of when I think of some people – uh, when they're reacting to this, which is to go so far overboard that their death threats are being made and everything else. And believe me, this has actually happened. I know people involved in this. I know that there have been death threats made hmm. over this uh, possible,
1: th- this incident. I know that there have been, <laughs> been yeah. death threats. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I listened, to, I don't know if you heard it, but the, the very latest episode where Wes and Woody are together and they're reflecting on all this stuff that's happened. Sure. And, and he's talking about people who uh, have called him, like, in the middle of the night asking for death certificate of his grandfather because that ties in, you know, to the, the story, or their father, or so, some of the, one of their family members. Sure. And, uh, I mean, that, that serves, too, as a snapshot of the extreme reactions to... right. The right. claims that are being made and, and just it's, it's, how out of bounds that is. You know, right. it's do that
0: it's really it's really uh, uh, I don't know if you know who Racer X is, um, Randy. I don't know how to say his last name, Filipovic, something like that. Anyway, he has a he has a blog. I cannot remember the name right now. I'm terribly sorry if he listens to this. Um, but he does a lot of uh, investigating into, you know, hoaxes and stuff like that. And he's really good at it. And he found holes in that Bob Garrett story. Um, I don't know if you're aware of the Bob Garrett the tent video thing where Bob Garrett was supposedly shut down by the government. Randy actually went and made phone calls to National Park Service, uh, made phone calls to local police, and and basically found that there's no truth to those stories. Um, That's that's the way you handle this. You don't handle it by threatening Mm -hmm. (laughs) to kill people. Uh, and, uh, calling people at 3am and it, I mean, it's just that, that, you know, pitchfork and torch, tar and feather mentality isn't going to work, but it is how this community, a, a portion of this community has handled and reacted to events as long as I've been involved in it. And it's, uh, it's wrong. I mean, that's not the way you handle any situation like this we aren't law enforcement you don't have the right to threaten someone's life uh, even if they are lying over something having said that I don't believe in this mentality either that we're just supposed to let things slide if um, you know
1: if we sense that something's off Um, yeah it's a very weird ethic I think that says who cares if it's real it's it's a good show it's good entertainment so you know, just go on with your bad self. I mean, <clears throat> that's not what this field is about, really. I mean, yeah, everybody loves the anecdotes, okay? Sure. I mean, and I think, you know, to uh, a point that Wes was trying to make on the show, he wanted, whatever his experience was, he wanted to create uh, a broadcast where people could come on and, and share their stories in an uncritical atmosphere where, you know, where you could go on and know people were not going to mock you or make fun of you or roll their eyes when you're telling your story. And I think in that respect, it, that's, that's the success that they saw was due to that. Uh, but there comes a time where, you know, you do have to be critical, not in the sense of criticizing, but thinking through the facts as they're presented. And does this make sense? Does the story mm-hmm. hold water? and, you know, not not to make certainly, not to do an ad hominem or a against the person attack. That's not the point, as you said. It's to just simply ask a few questions. That does this story, uh, you know, stand a little investigation? And you if know, not, it's just if if it doesn't, then it's just campfire stories.
0: Sure, period. and
1: and that's that's an
0: inter. Uh, uh, I, I say the word interesting on this show so much and i've been called out on my pronunciation of the word and now every time i say it i'm like aware that i'm saying it wrong <laughs> anyway um there there are i don't think there's just two types of people but there are the the sect of people who are only interested in bigfoot because of the stories that's why they have some you know semblance of interest in the subject is because they like the scary stories. It's what is so appealing about Missing Four One One. It is so appealing about the mystery primate in the woods murdering people and carrying them off in their in their sleeping bags in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. That is what gets people um, gets people off. They get excited over that. There are also people who want to solve the mystery people who want to know if there really is an unknown unlisted primate running around North America. Um, And I do think that I've said this before, maybe even on this show. um, I'm kind of I I have a little bit of both. I love the stories and I love the culture. I'm fascinated by the culture and I'm I'm fascinated by the people. Um, But I also think that if we're going to have if we're going to be involved in this, we should have an ultimate goal of trying to solve what's going on. And The problem is when you're so locked into just hearing scary stories, um, there's got to be something behind it because this isn't most of the time when someone is out there telling their sighting event, it isn't a person just saying, here's my here's my cool, scary story. Let me tell it to you. It's someone claiming to have had a very personal encounter with an unknown creature and they are telling it to you as a truth. Therefore, it should be investigated or critically examined as to whether or not that person is lying to you. Um, I'll say this: I feel a certain, I feel a certain responsibility to try to figure out if Wes was lying or not because he told the story to me on this show. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to threaten to kill him or. You'd call him at 3 a.m. to get his uh, death certificate or whatever. You know, I'm not going to do that kind of thing, but I will try to uh, gain some answers on that thing myself because he's told me the story. I, I, I would feel that way if someone told me a story about seeing a cheetah cross the road in front of them in North Canton.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You, you should approach if someone's going to tell you their what they're claiming is the truth, and it's something that is in the in the slightest bit. Unbelievable, or not, not unbelievable, but fantastical. Mm-hmm. I believe it is our responsibility to try to examine whether or not there is truth
1: to it. Yeah. Well, there's an old saying, trust but verify, mm-hmm. and I think that definitely holds true in this case. Mm-hmm. It, it seems to me that I hear this a lot in reference to Bigfoot and investigations where people will say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good judge of character, and I can tell right away when somebody is lying. And I've gotten to a point where I feel like, really? you can, can you can, re- Are you really that good at mm-hmm. knowing, like, within 30 seconds, if somebody is lying to you or telling the truth? I mean, I, I know that there are physical signs when somebody's not being truthful with you, and you can pick up on those. But just because you're shaken up by an event that took place and you're convinced that you saw something out of the ordinary, doesn't necessarily mean that you really saw something completely unexplained. You, you could yeah. have been truly terrified by something explicable. <laughs> and so I, I, I'm right there with you. I think that, and it's not a slap in the face or a comment on the person's character who's telling you the story. You know, you're not, you're not intimating that they're a liar just by wanting to get more facts about the story you just want to be able to you know truly participate with with a clear conscience uh, yeah and
0: and and the other part of this is there's a there's a huge audience of people who are being told this story um over and over again which when it's that in the public eye it's going to come under a lot more scrutiny um and if you're going to tell your your story as as often as and i'm not shooting west down for telling his story if his story is real um, it's not his fault for just recounting it. Mm-hmm. Um, but you gotta expect it to come under a certain level of scrutiny. And, uh, it certainly has, and it's going to continue to come under a lot of scrutiny. I will say, I don't know. We're I don't want to get too far off base, but on the other hand, at this point, I feel like we just roll with whatever. So I, I don't know if I talked to you about this, but when I was making Minerva Monster, we were investigating, uh, not investigating, interviewing, some of the witnesses and some of the people who in, uh, interviewed the witnesses, you know, the police chief and uh, the Akron Beacon Journal reporter, and then, you know, some of the people who actually had sightings. And I can tell you, little things about their sightings didn't line up a lot of times. Hmm. A lot of little details didn't line up. Now, obviously, you're talking 30 some years ago, but I've seen people go online and say, you know what, if this event was such a major event in his life, there's no way he would forget this or no way he would forget that. It's not necessarily true. Right? Um, people forget things, especially 30 years down the line. But even without, you know, that length of time, the people forget details. The, I think the, the killer thing here is that Wes has recounted literally looking at the moon, and there was no moon. Um, geographically, there's things about what he was saying where he was that don't line up with where the sightings took place um, if you look at it on a map now they did give the GPS coordinates I haven't had time to look into this stuff to be honest I have better things to do with my time right now um, if someone is out there looking into this seriously and I know there are I'm excited to see what they find I just haven't had time to do any mm-hmm. investigating of it you know myself um mm. I really want to talk about certain things that I am like I don't want to draw too much fire from people because I don't want to, you know, really get under uh, We've always tried to shy away from controversy on the show. Yeah. Not not because we're afraid to stick our necks out because I don't think Mark or I have any problem with with, you know, talking uh, speaking our minds. I don't think either of us do. No. Um but as a show that is supposed to be intended for people that are just coming into this subject who are just gaining an interest in the subject, something like this probably doesn't hold a whole lot of interest or hope. Right. <laughs> you know, like, this doesn't inspire you to want to continue to have a, an interest in the subject of Bigfoot when this is what you're coming into it and and finding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will say that that when you are called out on something and your reaction to it is to throw under other people under the bus, um, that's a problem for me. My suspicion is up.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and yeah. that's something that has happened here and not just on one side. That's happened all around. Everyone is... Uh this was a... This was to, to you can't underplay the importance of Sasquatch Chronicles and a lot of people are. Um, I talked to um, a friend of mine who's... Involved in the Ohio Bigfoot community And you know, we were talking about the show And he asked me how many people His, his reaction to the, this whole thing Was like well who cares it's not that big of a deal He's like how many people even listen to that show And I said well At least half a million I mean it was, it was a ridiculous number of people And you gotta think the, the amount of people that are interested In Bigfoot who are listening To Bigfoot podcasts And, and reading Bigfoot books Is not a half a million people Mm-mm. So this is a half million people that probably didn't have it, a great um knowledge of this subject before Sasquatch chronicles and this show might have actually served as an intro- introduction to to Bigfoot for those people and now this is going on which and i hate to t- I hate to tell them this, but this is not uncommon in fact it's just another controversy of the month yeah um, we'll have another one next month and there'll be another one next
1: month and another one next month. It's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. Yeah. You know, I'd like to make a point that's related to that. And it goes back to the very phrase Bigfoot community. I mean, mm-hmm. that gets thrown around a lot and is sort of an elastic term that can mean different things. I think a lot of what we see today in the horrible negativity is enabled by the internet entirely. And the the quote unquote Bigfoot community today means anybody with a computer and internet access with an interest in Bigfoot, which enables people to you know do the type of torch and pitchfork deal that we're talking about with relatively no consequence, you know, uh, for the accuser. Um, but that's a it's a very the internet has has enabled people to. Um, to truly attack the person and call individuals into question, completely avoiding a face-to-face confrontation with another human being, which, you know, just makes the the confidence level increase in certain types of people. And I hold that in huge, huge contrast to sort of the old-school definition of community, which is an actual group of people who are together, who sort of feel a responsibility for one another and is looking out for the common good. And I do believe that you get that when you are with other flesh-and-blood people, you know, and you you experience small uh, uh, tastes of that when you're at, say, the Ohio Bigfoot Conference and so forth and with other like-minded folks. And, you know, there's, there's so much we could talk about about how that's true in sort of subgroups of the Bigfoot community where real people actually get together and they go on campouts and they do quote-unquote field research to varying degrees. Mm -hmm. Um, That's a whole different kind of community and one that I feel like um, we do have to say exists lest... Uh, a person with a new interest in Bigfoot hears <laughs> something like this and thinks, you know, why would I want to be involved in a group of people that's going to turn on me for saying the wrong thing at the wrong time? And it's, I would say it's that's not uniform in the quote-unquote community, especially when you are face-to-face or around the campfire with other like-minded individuals. So sure. I don't know. If that makes sense, necessarily. no, necessarily.
0: But I, I well, the other thing about that is like things like the Ohio Bigfoot Conference, um, that gathering of people. I don't know how much time most of those people are spending on Facebook Bigfoot groups. I see some of those people involved in the groups, but I don't see them posting a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there is a larger community quote-unquote of people out there who are interested in the subject who aren't interacting on Facebook or social media who aren't getting up in people's face over things like this you know um there's this thing I hear tossed around a lot that we are uh, tasked with policing our own in this community and I'll agree with that it's just that we have to understand what the separation is between policing and um becoming a complete psychopath is so that's something that's something to keep in mind too that's a healthy distinction i would say (laughs) something to be avoided yeah and i mean even as we're recording this episode we've already gotten a comment on the youtube page angrily aimed at us so i mean this this type of stuff is not uh healthy for engaging your audience and and you know having a, a healthy discussion with your audience when you're going into this type of controversial s- subject. I don't really think we've said anything all that controversial
1: though. I don't think we're saying anything other than the fact that, um, well, I'd like know. to, I'd like to think that we're just talking about what is, you know, yeah, I, I, I mean, don't that's really have a it. huge opinion on it, to be honest with you. Uh, it, well, that's,
0: that's my thing. If, if it's not that we're saying one way or the other, what we believe about that particular, uh, Situation, I do believe that you should uh, feel a need to weigh whether or not something that is being told to you is the truth or not. If you are out there just blindly believing everything that's being told to you, you're a fool. I'm drop the mic right there, (laughs) boom.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that goes back to uh, the phrase, you know, a critical approach—not critical going in, hoping to criticize someone and find fault. Mm -hmm. But to weigh what you're being told against um, what you know to be real and true so that you don't become a participant unwittingly in something that's, uh, you know, being misrepresented, just being smart.
0: Join the conversation at facebook.com slash sasswhat. Find us on Twitter by using the hashtag sasswhat, or you can find me on Twitter at Seth Breeds Love. Mark Matsky is on Twitter at Reverend Matsky. Send your letters to sasswhatmail at gmail.com and leave us a rating and review on iTunes.